Welcome to this podcast covering Doctrine and Covenants sections 60 through 62. I am David J. Ridges, the author of the study guide, Your Study of the Doctrine and Covenants Made Easier. It's a three-volume set. I will be taking quite a few things for today's podcast out of volume two. Let's go ahead and start with section 60 of the Doctrine and Covenants. A little bit of background. This revelation was given through the Prophet Joseph Smith in Jackson County, Missouri on August 8, 1831. A number of saints, including the Prophet and other leaders, had come to Missouri as commanded by the Lord. They had dedicated the land of Zion for the eventual gathering of the Lord's people. You find that in section 58, verse 57. They had dedicated a temple site, a temple site in Jackson County and had accomplished other things as instructed. Having completed these assigned tasks, many of them have now been instructed by the Lord to return to their homes and responsibilities in the Kirtland, Ohio area, at least for a season there. As you have no doubt observed, one of the main focuses of the restoration at this point in time is that of missionary work. Of course, it is vital for the continued establishment of the church that there be a large influx of new converts. The Lord has sent many of his noble and great spirits to earth to be here at that particular point in time and had placed them in strategic locations where they can be found now by these early missionaries. They will hear and recognize the message that they learned in pre-mortal life and will be able to listen and learn and be converted by the Spirit and enter the waters of baptism and strengthen the church. When these faithful ones from our pre-mortal life hear the gospel, as I just said, they will recognize it as the truth and will join the church. This is the same thing the missionaries today are doing. They are looking for those who are honest in heart and who will recognize the message, who have already been prepared by the Lord. It's the missionaries' job to find them. But first, these early missionaries Delete that last phrase. Thus, in this revelation, the Lord gives specific instructions to these brethren who are now to return from Jackson County, Missouri, to their homes in the east. They are told to go out of their way to make every reasonable effort to preach the gospel as they travel, rather than simply be lining it for home. By the way, if you look at a map, you'll see that much of the journey between Missouri and Ohio could be made by river, particularly on the Missouri, the Mississippi, and the Ohio rivers. This helps understand this background to the situations discussed in these sections. 
As we begin our specific study of section 60, you'll see that the Lord emphasizes the importance of preaching and spreading the gospel as they travel. This, by the way, is excellent counsel and advice for us in our day. First of all, in section 60, notice in verse 1, uh, the Lord uh, gives a compliment near the end of verse 1. Behold, it pleaseth me that you have come up hither. In other words, you followed my commandments and instruction to come to Missouri. It pleaseth me that you have come up hither. Now, as any good parent knows, before you express a concern or want behavior changes in your children, it's nice to first compliment them and then mention your concerns. And the Lord does mention his concerns to these early missionaries. He says in verse 2, But with some I am not well pleased, for they will not open their mouths. For they will not open their mouths, but they hide the talent which I have given them because of fear of man. Many of us can relate to that. We know we should be spreading the gospel and helping and uh, talking about it to friends and co-workers and so forth, but we fear rejection or fear that they will be offended. So the Lord addresses the issue. Verse 2, With some I am not well pleased, for they will not open their mouths, but they hide the talent which I have given them because of the fear of man. Well, we can take that counsel and do something with our own lives on that issue. Uh, a very important bit of counsel is given in section 60, verse 5, uh, going down 1, 2, 3, 4, the fifth line, uh, it mattereth not unto me. Some of us are of the idea or have been taught or whatever that there's always a right decision. That's not necessarily true. The Lord says here in verse 5, But verily I will speak unto you concerning your journey unto the land from whence you came. In other words, going back up to the Kirtland area. Let there be a craft made, in other words, a boat or, or bought, as seemeth you good. Use your agency. It mattereth not unto me. So there are some cases when there is not a right answer. And when that's the case, you get to use your agency and choose. Now, if it's something that is important, there is a right answer. If you make one decision, there's a danger there, or it will cause some trouble in your lives, then you can plan on getting an answer from the Holy Ghost and feeling good about it or having specific words come into your mind, or however the Lord best speaks to you. But there are a lot of things where it mattereth not. You choose. That's part of responsible agency. Now, I love verse 7 in section 60, the last third of it. For I am able to make you holy, and your sins are forgiven you. 
In other words, the Savior says, Yes, I can work with you and help you to become holy and sanctified and made fit to be in my presence and the presence of the Father forever. I am able to make you holy. I love that. It's very comforting. Now verse 8 has the word wicked. And that can be disturbing if you don't know a broader definition of the word wicked. Let's read verse 8 together. And let the residues <coughs> take their journey from St. Louis two by two and preach the word, not in haste, among the congregations of the wicked. It's very helpful to know that the wicked are, the word wicked is sometimes defined as those who have not yet heard the gospel. That makes a big difference. If we go to section 84, let's turn there and I'll do the same. Let's go to section 84, verses 52 and 53, and get that definition of the word wicked. Section 84, verses 52 and 53. I'll read it. And whoso receiveth not my voice is not acquainted with my voice and is not of me. And by this you may know the righteous from the wicked. In other words, people who the word wicked includes those in verse 52, section 84, who have not, are not acquainted with my voice. That's an important distinction. There are a lot of wicked people who are involved in evil things, but wicked in this context, and we'll see it other places, uh, means, includes those who have not heard the gospel. So let's read verse 8 of section 61 last time. And let the residue take their journey from St. Louis two by two and preach the word as they go home to the Kirtland area, not in haste, among the congregations of the wicked. In other words, among people who have not even heard the gospel. Now let's go uh, to verse 14 of section 50, near the end, a reminder of how not to preach the gospel. Verse 14, uh, don't preach it, near the end here, not in haste, neither in wrath, nor with strife. Don't get caught up in arguing and becoming angry and preaching the gospel with a strident voice and so forth. Make sure it's a gentle, peaceful, informative, pleasant message in the way that you uh, present it. Now verse 15 starts out with the phrase, And shake off the dust of thy feet against those who receive thee not, not in their presence, lest thou provoke them, but in secret. 
Now, what is this business of shaking the dust off one's feet? Now, I know on my mission in Austria, we were cautioned not to do that. Uh, unless we specifically had permission from the mission president. What is shaking off the dust of your feet? Verse 15. It is not necessarily a curse. I guess it could be in some specific situations. But as a general rule, used very seldom, if at all, it would simply be what verse 15 says near the end, as a testimony against them in the day of judgment. End of verse 15. In other words, as a witness that you did try and give them a chance. By the way, when you do your best to give others a chance to hear the gospel, the responsibility is no longer on your shoulders. Now, section 61, there's a lot of misunderstanding concerning the dangers on the waters in the last days. And section 61 uh, was driven home to me once when uh, my wife and I took our children water skiing for our family home evening activity. And I was mentioning that the next day uh, at the Institute, of religion where I was teaching, one of the ladies there overheard me and uh, really scolded me for taking our children and my wife on the water for a family home evening. She said, Brother Ridges, you're uh, way out of line in doing that because don't you know there are dangers on the water in the last days and you're supposed to avoid it. Well, I'm fairly well acquainted with Section 61, and uh, I gently told her, well, thanks for uh, being concerned about me and my family, and I left it at that. So let's go to Section 61 and see what's going on here. At this point on August 11th, uh, the day before this revelation is given, uh, Joseph Smith, uh, along with uh, 11 other men, were on their way back to Ohio. They were traveling on the river. Uh, it was a rough, high flood time of year. There were a lot of trees bobbing in the river. Uh, Joseph's canoe... Uh, with the others in it, almost capsized. Also, as you can see in the heading to section 61, Elder William W. Phelps, in a daylight vision, saw the destroyer, meaning Satan, riding in power upon the face of the waters. This was quite an intense revelation here in section 61 with that background trying to get home to Ohio, riding on roiling, raging river floodwater type situation. Uh, it had everyone's attention. So, uh, we will 
look at what's going on here in section 61 and we'll just generally move through and look at some highlights and of course within our time parameters we don't have time to cover everything but first the first mistake that many people make in dealing with section 61 is they apply it to all rivers all water all lakes everything but look at verse 5 for I, the Lord, have decreed in my anger, mine anger, many destructions upon the waters. Yea, pay attention now, and especially upon these waters. If you're marking your scriptures, you might want to mark that part of verse 5, section 61. Mark especially upon these waters, and then put a little note there, the Mississippi and the Missouri. And that can also include the Ohio River. So, uh, there are dangers for the saints in the Ohio area who want to come to Missouri as they uh, travel upon the water, which is a much faster way to get to their destination. But, the phrase, end of verse 5, especially upon these waters, that means the Mississippi and the Missouri and the Ohio rivers, not generally all waters all over the world. We'll get to that. There are some things for that later. Now, verse 6 immediately sets us straight if we think verse 5 means all waters, including uh, Utah Lake for me and my family. Verse 6, Nevertheless, all flesh is in mine hand, and he that is a faithful among you shall not perish by the waters. In other words, water travel, sporting upon the water, water skiing, wakeboarding, or swimming, or whatever, these things are okay. And that's a major message from verse 6. Now, the Lord mentions in verses 14 to 17 that in the beginning he blessed the waters. You'll recall in Genesis chapter 1, verses 20 to 22, that he blessed the waters to bring forth uh, fishes and all the wonderful products of the water. And then... He said in verse 14 still, let's just read all of verse 14, section 61. Behold, I, the Lord, in the beginning blessed the waters. But in the last days, by the mouth of my servant John, that's in verse, that's John the Revelator in Revelation chapter 16, verses 3 to 4. Read it again now. By the mouth of my servant John, I curse the waters. Wherefore, the days will come that no flesh shall be safe upon the waters. And then in verse 17, oh, verse 16, let's do that. And it shall be said in days to come that none is able to go up to the land of Zion upon the waters, but he that is upright in heart. In other words, there will be some dangers. There will be flooding. 
there'll be problems upon those rivers that the saints would want to use to get to Missouri. But he says, but he that is upright in heart will have my blessing and they'll, I'll protect them. Verse 17 talks about the land. And as I, the Lord, in the beginning cursed the land, you remember when Adam and Eve were cast out, no longer was it a Garden of Eden that they were located in. It had briars and thorns and thistles and weeds. I have sometimes told my children, so the Garden of Eden became the Garden of Weeden, in effect, when they were cast out and had to earn their living by the sweat of their brow. So he did curse the land, and by the way, that's for our good, because it makes us work. Even so, verse 17, even so in the last days have I blessed it. By the way, the land has been greatly blessed. You know that. You know that the gardening and farming methods now are far superior to what they were in ancient times. We can grow in just a small garden space with proper uh, fertilizing and watering and, every, and hybrid plants. We can just have a bounteous crop in a very small area that used to take an acre or two to produce. So he has indeed blessed the land in our day. Now, verse 18, the missionaries that are returning to Ohio in this revelation are given a commandment. And let's look at verse 18. And now I give unto you a commandment that what I say unto one, I say unto all, that you shall forewarn your brethren concerning these waters. In other words, warn others who are planning to go from Kirtland area to Missouri. So that uh, if you're here in flood water times or other dangers around the waters, warn them so that they come not in their journey upon them, lest their faith fail and they are caught in the snares, the dangers that are there. Now, verse 22, here again we see the phrase, and it mattereth not unto me. We've already talked about that, that uh, there are things that we can decide. And if we keep praying for a specific answer, uh, we're just not going to get one. For an example, a graduate from the university has two job offers. One is in Rochester, New York, and the other one is in San Diego, California. So he and his wife pray and ask the Lord, is it okay if we go to Rochester, New York, and they get a warm, peaceful feeling, then they say, okay, I guess we need to go to New York. Then they say, just to make sure, let's pray about San Diego, California, and the job offer we have there. So they pray about it, and they get a warm, peaceful feeling, so they look at each other and say, wait a minute, what's going on? It sounds like either one of them is good. Well, that is the answer. You decide. If you go to Rochester, I'll use you to help build up the church there. If you go to San Diego, I'll use you to help build the church up there. So 
verse 22, and it mattereth not unto me, is a very important message of this section and many other sections in the Doctrine and Covenants. Let's finish reading verse 22. And it mattereth not unto me after little, if it so be that they fill their missions, in other words, as long as they're doing the job of preaching the gospel as they go, if it so be they fill their mission, whether they go by water or by land, let this be as it is made known unto them according to their judgments hereafter. In other words, let them use wisdom. All right, uh, let's go to verse 28. Verse 28 of section 61. Wherefore, let him do as the Spirit of the living God commandeth him, whether upon the land or upon the waters, as it remaineth with me to do hereafter. It is wise that we listen to the Spirit. And sometimes it'll be a matter of not, and there'll be other times when it is a definite, specific answer. Now, once more, uh, let's use both, both verses 27 and 28. 27, nevertheless, unto whom is given power to command the waters, unto him it is given by the Spirit to know all his ways. In other words, if the Spirit prompts you strongly and very clearly, to command water to calm down or whatever. Verse 28, Wherefore let him do as the Spirit of the living God commandeth, whether upon the land or upon the waters, as it remaineth with me to do hereafter. The general counsel there is, if you're in a situation you would like to use the priesthood to command the elements to calm down or whatever, Make sure the Spirit is giving you permission. That's a very key issue here. Now, verse 32. Once more, we run into the phrase, the congregations of the wicked, the last phrase of verse 32. Let's read the whole thing. And from thence let them journey for the congregations of their brethren. For their labors even now are wanted more abundantly among them than among the congregations of the wicked. So here, if you go back to verse 30, Sidney Rigdon and Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery are not to preach the gospel of the first part of their journey back to Kirtland, but they specifically are asked by the Lord to hurry until they arrive at Cincinnati. Now that's different than the general counsel to the other returning missionaries. Joseph, Sidney, and Oliver are commanded to go straight to Cincinnati and there, verse 31, they shall lift up their voices unto God against that people, yea, unto him whose anger is kindled against their wickedness. A people who are well nigh ripened for destruction. There had to have been a lot of wicked people literally in Cincinnati at that time. 
And then verse 32, And from thence let them journey for the congregations of their brethren, for their labors even now are wanted more abundantly among them than among the congregations of the wicked. And the wicked here can once again be literally wicked people, but it can also include those who have not yet heard the gospel. Now, let's uh, go to verse 36 of 61. There's a beautiful message there that the Savior is in our midst. That would apply to us too. Let's read it. Verse 36, Now verily I say unto you, and what I say to one, unto one I say unto all, Be of good cheer, little children, for I am in your midst, and I have not forsaken you. That's a very personal message for them, and a very personal message for you and me. The Savior is not an ad, ad, absentee God. He is among us. And he knows us and has not forsaken us. That gives great hope and reason for optimism for each one of us. Now, verse 37, we're reminded uh, that humility is a key ingredient in attaining exaltation. Let's read verse 37. See how it says that. And inasmuch as you have humbled yourselves before me, the blessings of the kingdom are yours. What are the blessings of the kingdom? Ultimately, they are exaltation. But what are they right now? They are peace, uh, calm, help when you need it. There is a great peace and confidence and stability in our lives when we get the blessings of the kingdom right now in our mortal life. And so humility, verse 37, inasmuch, meaning if, if you have humbled yourselves, if you are humble, you'll have rich blessings poured out upon you right now, as well as exaltation in eternity. Let's quickly look at verse 38. There's some phrases there that we need to understand. Gird up your loins. Literally just means get dressed. And here in the context, be prepared, be ready, and be watchful and be sober. Sober is not referring to alcohol drinking. It means be serious about serious things. You know that uh, it's okay to have fun and enjoy life and laugh a lot. All you have to do is watch our prophets to know that that's true. But right here, verse 38, you be prepared, gird up your loins, and be watchful, pay attention, and be sober, be serious about serious things, looking forth for the coming of the Son of Man. That is a real interesting statement here about the second coming. For he cometh in an hour you think not. So we look at the signs of the times. We look and try and figure about when he might come. Uh, that's not going to work because he will come in an hour you think not. He will surprise us, even though in a general way, the signs of the times prepare us 
for his coming. And you hear a lot more now from the brethren, our leaders in general conference and other places. You hear a lot more now mention of the second coming than we did just a few years ago. Now, personally for us, how do you avoid temptation? Verse 39 gives us a wonderful answer. Pray always that you enter not into temptation, that you may abide the day of his coming. In other words, that you will be one of those who is taken up off the earth to meet him when the Savior comes, whether it's before we die or after we die. We know that the righteous who are alive when the Savior comes will be caught up to meet him, and those righteous who have passed away, they will be resurrected and caught up to meet him. That will be a marvelous reunion up there while we're waiting to come down to earth for the beginning of millennial reign. Well, we will do just a few things now with section 62. There's a key phrase right in verse 1 that we need to know the definition. Behold and hearken, O ye elders of my church, saith the Lord your God, even Jesus Christ, your advocate. Now, what's an advocate? Well, in our legal system, we would call them attorneys. Someone, if we hire an attorney to help us in a situation of, in a court of law, we've hired someone that is going to do his or her best to defend us and to uh, free us of the charges against us. Christ is our advocate. He wants us to succeed. He loves to bless us. And he is advocating for our successful ultimate entrance into exaltation. And in the meantime, he's advocating for our peace and confidence and security and stability and everything that makes this life so rewarding and satisfying. So let's read verse 1 again, section 62. Behold and hearken. That means see and obey. O ye elders of my church, saith the Lord your God, even Jesus Christ, your advocate, who knoweth the weakness of man and how to succor them who are tempted. That's a very comforting phrase. He knows that we are weak. We have mortal weaknesses and frailties. And uh, temptations are sometimes really strong. But he's our advocate. He wants to help us. And he will help us. And if we let him help us and hearken and obey and listen carefully, we'll make it. And how to succor them who are tempted. You know what the word succor means? It means to hurry to help those in need of help. Now let's look at verse 3. This is one of my favorite uh, verses in the Doctrine and Covenants. I remember a missionary 
uh, sacrament meeting, when this verse was talked about, and the speaker was reminding the missionary that whenever he bore his testimony on his mission, his father, who had passed away, would be able to read it in heaven. And that stayed with me. I thought that was a marvelous insight. Let's read verse 3. Nevertheless, ye are blessed, for the testimony which ye have borne is recorded in heaven for the angels to look upon. To me, that means whenever we bear our testimony that it is recorded in heaven and our loved ones who have passed beyond are enabled and allowed to read it there. And they, uh, look at the end of verse 3, and they rejoice over you and your sins are forgiven you. There's a lot in that verse. Your sins are forgiven you is a reminder that as we strive earnestly to live the gospel, we're not perfect, but we are striving sincerely and earnestly to really live the gospel. Our sins are constantly being forgiven. In fact, you think on it, we go to sacrament meeting every week, we partake of the sacrament, and if we do it properly and uh, with sincerity and real intent, we're told that it's the same as being rebaptized. So verse 3, your sins are forgiven, you reminds us that we, every day, we can be forgiven of sins of the past, provided if it's something really big, then we need to make restitution and everything, you know that. But the general message here is that repentance and forgiveness are ongoing and constantly with us in our lives. What does President Nelson keep reminding us to do? Repent every day and don't look at upon it as something awful that we have to do. Look upon it as something wonderful that we get to do. And so, again, the Doctrine and Covenants constantly reminds us that we are in a process of going through life and that the atonement is constantly with us and we can build off of the things we learned yesterday and the things that we did wrong and the things we did right. And we can be forgiven continuously as we go along. Well, uh, let's uh, look at a couple of other things here in section 62 now. We have... Uh, the same theme in verse 5 that we've talked about a lot during today's podcast, that is, we have agency and we can use it, and there are a lot of decisions we make, and it mattereth not to the Lord which way we go, unless it's something very serious or dangerous, we'll definitely get help from the Holy Ghost in avoiding that and choosing the other direction. Verse 5, 
and then you may return to bear record, yea, even altogether or two by two. As you return home, you can go as companionships or as uh, a whole group. As seemeth you good, it mattereth not unto me. So there we have that message again. You use your agency, it mattereth not unto me. A major theme of these sections of the Doctrine and Covenants. Only be faithful and declare glad tidings. In other words, to these missionaries, you keep preaching along the way. Uh, to inhabitants of the earth or among the congregations of the wicked. Now, one last thing. Uh, let's go to verse 7. As you well know, the Lord has emphasized the, throughout the scriptures that gratitude is one of the most important attributes that we can have, both as individuals among our family members or our work colleagues or school or wherever we are, people that have gratitude are a lot softer and gentler and much more pleasant. And gratitude is mentioned here in verse 7. I, the Lord, am willing, if any among you desire to ride upon horses or upon mules or in chariots, in other words, it's up to you, whatever way you choose by way of transportation back home, he shall receive this blessing. If, here we come to gratitude, if he receive it from the hand of the Lord with a thankful heart in all things. You might make a little note out of the side of verse 7 and just put gratitude. And again, verse 8, these things remain with you to do according to judgment. In other words, according to your wisdom, but also keep in mind to listen carefully to the Spirit. How does it say that? According to judgment and the directions of the Spirit. And then the Lord reminds them he's with us. Behold, the kingdom is yours. In other words, you can plan on exaltation. And behold, and lo, I am with the faithful always. That's most comforting. And I leave that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.